0: This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is brought to you by The Hour. The Hour is a lifestyle brand that offers a wide range of products from herbal workings to unique designer fashions. All of the herbal workings are handcrafted and bathed in good juju by its creator Mama Zodi. So run on over to their site and sign up to be notified of when their limited edition fashion drops happen. And this is a side note, they ain't paying me to say this, but the stuff is cute that they got coming. <laughs> their site is www.theourll.com. And that's three lowercase l's to make the Roman numeral three. So it's the hour three. And also check out their Instagram at the underscore hourll. All you need is a little juju. Welcome, welcome, welcome to (laughs) Aquaba. Welcome to our Little Juju podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spirituality, honoring our ancestors, ourselves, decolonizing our religious practices on our journey to freedom. My name is Juju Bay for the girls, and I'm the host of this here show. I come to this space as a psychic medium as an ancestral healer a reiki practitioner and orisha devotee someone was like hey it emailed me like hey you're a priest no no i'm a devotee i'm not a priest I'm a hoodoo of course a hoodoo conjurer and an all-around bad bitch witch and today is miniso day we're doing a miniso a min so we're doing a mini so a mini so so today's episode will be short and sweet and to the point I'm gonna be reading something for you all today that I'm excited to read um so yes you know sometimes we gotta keep it cute kind of keep it short um I'm also having like some throat things going on with me so I'm not trying to do too much so that's why we're doing a mini so today. So let's sit back, relax, enjoy this short episode, and uh, let's get the intro popping. All you need is all you need. <laughs> all, you need all you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way, it's how I start my day. Confirm no say, no and I'll never take a play. I'll take your photo to the grave, but that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make a say. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby i give them everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped, manifested everything, gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop, drop. The Little Juju podcast is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting is not free. It takes time, money, and resources to produce this show for you, which is why contributions are so important. And there are a few ways to donate to the show, both monetarily and non monetarily. So, monetarily, the first way I'll mention is through Patreon. So, Patreon is a way that you can contribute to the show monthly. So on the first, around the first of every month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, ranging from $1 to a $1 million, as many dollars as you like. And uh, this is simply to help support a little Juju podcast. But depending on your level of donation, you may get a few extras. I'm thinking eBooks, classes, discounts, updates, tutorials. My patrons know it's a lot of different things going on in there. And that is a wonderful way to be in a committal support system with the podcast. Now, if that's a little too much for you, you're not ready for that, understood, you can always just hit me up on the Cash App, dollar sign, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E, or on Venmo, it's Jujube, or through PayPal at paypal.me slash J-U-J-U-B-A-E. And for the non-committal ways to donate, that is shouting the show out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your homie, tell your lover, tell your sister, tell your brother. Tell everyone about a little juju podcast who you think would benefit. Shout me out. Repost the episodes when they come out. Just spread, help spread the good juju gospel. Also subscribe, rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Say, I love this podcast. It's really helped me so much. Those are all the ways that I really, really appreciate and also help contribute to the show. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so today's episode, um, I'm gonna be pulling from this book that I bought when I went to South Carolina. Uh, I believe it was last year now um, with Levon Pastor Bay, who we know. We actually did an episode there. I think it was going back to the South. And so while I was in South Carolina in my, my home space, we went to Charleston and went to, I believe it was one of the plantations in Charleston. And long story short, I bought a couple books while there. And one of the books that I picked up was called Far More Terrible for Women. And it's personal accounts of women in slavery. It's a really, it's a a great book. It's a hard book to read because obviously it is personal narratives of our enslaved elders and ancestors. Um, It was edited by a white man. But he just put the stories together in the book. You know, it wasn't written by no white people. These are stories from the mouths of formerly enslaved people um, from all over the South. So I wanted to pull from this and I just posted on Instagram about my thoughts on this, but So often I get asked about books. Like, what books can I read to learn more about spirituality? What books can I read to learn more about Hoodoo, Voodoo, Ifa, Conjure, condom? What can I read to know more? And there are so many good books about those topics. There are so many good religion books, so many good spiritual uh, topic books. Um, I will plug my website here, www.itsjjubae.com. It's jujube.com. I have a book list on there. So if you are wanting to have more spiritual books, you know, quote unquote, in your library, you can head on over there and see what I like to read. But outside of just the spiritual books, there are books that are just about black history, not just, that are about black history, that are uh, written by black elders, that are written by black people, that are about um, things that we have been through, the lives that we've lived and in those books, and even, even fiction, even science fiction books, in those books, you will constantly see references to African traditional religion, ancestors, ancestral veneration, spirits, conjure, hoodoo. So my thing is, yes, read the books about quote unquote spirituality. But if you want to see how these practices are and have been consistently just infused into Black life, how Black spirituality is just infused into Black life. Just read books by Black people. Just read books by Black elders, fiction or nonfiction. Just read Toni Morrison, right? Just read Octavia Butler. Just read Far More Terrible for Women, Personal Accounts of Women in Slavery. Because in this book, there is a whole chapter, a few, yeah, a whole section on witches. Now, the, again, this book is not about witches. This is not a spiritual book. But there's a whole chapter on witches. Why? Because conjure, spirits, root doctrine, witching is a part of our history. It is a part of our personal narratives. It is a part of our accounts. The Black Book, for example, that was uh, put together by Toni Morrison, I believe. I don't think it was Toni K. Bambara. I think it was Toni Morrison. The Black Book. It is not a book about conjure. But there is a whole section on conjure. Why? Because it's a book about black people. You see where I'm going with this? Toni Morrison didn't necessarily write books about, okay, and this book is about hoodoo. But you see conjuring hoodoo through all her books. You see it in Beloved. You see it in Sula, just references. So if you want to pick up on that and, and, and really learn more about what our ancestors and elders and black people in general culturally thought, and interacted with spirituality, just read books, Bob Niggas, <laughs> okay? There's no reason that we're reading um, Frederick Douglass's autobiography, and it's a whole chapter on High John Root, and it's meeting a conjure man, and the power of the High John Root allowing him to fight Mr. Covey, who was his slave master's ass, beat his ass, okay? The book ain't about conjure, but conjure gonna be in the book because it's such an important and crucial um, interwoven aspect of black life. So read books about black life. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. So back to far more terrible for women. I want to go to one of the stories about, um, witches, witches and doctors. Um, and again, this book is edited by someone, Patrick Mingus, far more terrible for women. And I want to read the story of our ancestor, Ma Stevens. So, Ma Stevens was born in 1833. This account was taken from her when she was 103 years old. The interviewer is unknown. Her slave master is unknown. The place um, where she was enslaved is unknown. But the source comes from um, the first supplemental series, Georgia Narrative. So, maybe we can assume she was in Georgia, but that's not confirmed uh, in this story as far as I, I know. So, I want to read the story of my Stevens. I had some difficulty finding the Root Doctor's house. It was located in a Negro community, and in this particular section, the dirt streets, continuing for perhaps only two blocks and ending abruptly in a blind alley or at the rear of a small grocery store or a house, formed an irregular jagged pattern. The streets were bordered with row after row of weather-beaten, one-story houses, each one so like its neighbors that it was almost impossible to distinguish one from the other. Here and there, where a blind flapped loosely in the wind or a windowpane was missing, one had a vacant, staring expression. The search was further complicated by the fact that numbers had long been erased from most of the houses. And each time I stopped to make inquiries, bandana-adorned heads appeared from windows and doors and surveyed me suspiciously. Occasionally from a discreet distance, a low-pitched voice asked about my errand. Sly whispers and furtive glances were exchanged when I announced that I was looking for Ma Stevens, the Root Doctor. She was apparently a well-known character in The Settlement. Superstitious neighbors confided their knowledge of her to me in awed whispers. Ma is a root doctor for sure, and she sure knows plenty about rooting, they told me. I was informed that people visited her little house at all hours of the day and night and that Ma had been known to work effective cures for many who had spells cast on them by enemies. All of these stories were not pleasant, however, for it appeared that Ma's power could be used for evil purposes, too. One woman knew of an unfortunate man who had somehow aroused the ire of the root doctor and, in consequence, had had conjure worked on him and had suffered a long, lingering illness. Day after day, the victim grew weaker and weaker until he finally died even those people who claim not to believe in Ma's ability as a root worker were careful not to speak too strongly against her. I just keep out of her way, and when I does see her, I carefully, I be careful to be very polite to her, was the common way they expressed their feelings in the matter. I rode back and forth over the rough dirt street, stopping every so often for additional directions. At length, The proprietor of a small corner shop told me that Ma's house was on a short street which started at a point in the back of the store. The house was small, unpainted structure, set far back on the barren, grassless plot. Ma's huddled figure could be seen on the front porch. As I approached, she greeted me pleasantly and invited me inside. Studying the stooped little figure, I recalled the stories of witchcraft which the neighbors had told me and the association the old woman was rumored to have with spirits and magic charms and other sinister things. Her dark, thin face was crisscrossed with myriads of wrinkles. Eyes which were narrowed to mere slits gleamed occasionally with surprising brilliance. One side of her grizzled hair hung in a tangled mass, while the other side was neatly braided. Her short, stocky figure was garbed in a fitted red velveteen coat, beneath which showed the hem of a faded black dress and that of a green apron. The house consisted of the one room which we now entered. There was so much crowded into the small space that it took a while before the blurred-masked objects could be seen as separate items. With difficulty, I made my way to the rocking chair, which Ma indicated, and looked around me. A square wooden table in the center of the room held a large assortment of miscellaneous articles. I studied these curiously, noticing, in particular, four glass jars was held what seemed to be literally hundreds of small orange and purple papers. Grouped about the room were a large number of chairs, most of them so close together that they bumped into one another. Larger pieces of furniture were rusty, were a rusty iron stove, a couch draped with a faded red coverlet, and an old-fashioned marble-top dressing table, which was almost hidden by its burdens of bottles, pitchers, glasses, handless cups, and jars filled with crepe paper flowers. The walls were covered with a confusion of pictures from all four sides, the image of Bishop Grace, a charismatic African-American religious leader of the early 20th century, looked down, elaborately attired in a flowing robe and a towering headdress. There were also two or three religious pictures, a collection of postcards, newspaper clippings, and several large-framed photographs, which Ma told me were of her various relations. From one wall was suspended a wooden hat rack, and here reposed a number of men's hats. All of these were in badly battered condition and ranged in style from a boy's cap to a tall evening hat, which still bore unmistakable traces of grandeur. Ma told me that she was 103 years old. She's talked of the days of her youth when she had worked as a laundress. For years, she had served in this capacity in a series of small country hotels. However, as she grew older, the work proved too laborious for her failing strength, and she had been forced to depend on her children for support. During the past few years, her husband and the children, one after another, had died. The husband died of old age, and the son and daughter had contracted what seemed like heavy colds, but had subsequent, subsequently developed into serious illnesses. Now Ma was all alone in the world. I know just when the end was to come for each of them, she said. Something tell me each time. It is the way with me. I will know just when it's time for me to die. Just a short time back, I was so sick I couldn't raise my head. All the folks will come in and look at me and shake their heads. All you need is a little juju. I hear him whisper, she is so sick. She never give up. I laugh to myself. I know they was wrong and I wasn't ready to die. I don't let on, I hear them. Some of, some of them was so sure that I was going to die that they move out my best furniture. And I lay there and watch them move it out one piece after another. And I was so sick I couldn't do nothing to stop them. But when I get better and start to get around, these folks sure was scared. They don't never come here no more. Guess they worry about what I might do to them. my paused momentarily and glancing again about the crowded little room. I wondered just where the stolen articles of furniture had been placed and whether or not the guilty person's worries were concerned with the black magic that Ma might direct against them. I don't remember just how I get to be a root doctor, the old woman continued. Seems like you just have to be born with the knowledge. I just always seemed to know how to work cures and make medicines. Folks was always coming to me and asking me to cure some illness. When I was young and went out to wash, I didn't have much time to cure folks. Then, when I get too old to work steady, I stay home and mix up all kinds of charms and magic remedies. For I know it, more and more folk hear about me, and soon they come from all over to be cured. I've been working the roots for years now. Folks used to drive here in cars most anytime, even in the middle of the night. I never knew when they would be coming. Some would have crazy spells and spasms and be raving mad. Someone had put a spell on them. i work over them, and when they leave, they'll be all right again. I tried to find out just how Ma affected these cures, but she was not ready to divulge her secrets. She stared blankly for a moment and didn't answer. Do you still cure people? I asked. No, ma'am, not very much no more. You see, the police dragged me in the court some years back for practicing witchcraft. Some of the neighbors complained. I show them right there in the courtroom how I mix the medicine and how I can help folks. They couldn't prove nothing, and they just let me go. After that, I'm mighty careful, though. I tell you just how witchcraft started, Ma continued. In the beginning, the devil was an angel in heaven. He'd tell a lie and then start all the trouble in the world. He see how God make a man, and he say, I can make a man, too. God say, you make your man, so Lucifer make a man and show him to God. God say, blow breath in your man. Lucifer, he blow breath in the nostrils and out the nose come lizards and snakes and maggots and spiders and all such things. And after that, these things was all this evil. When they see what the devil had done, they drive him out of heaven. He fall hard and he land and make hell. And this was the start of witchcraft and evil in the world. And as long as there's a devil in hell, there will be witchcraft in the world. The subject of witchcraft reminded me of the many tales of witches related by the neighbors. In response to my question as to whether or not her slumbers were disturbed by the nocturnal visits of these creatures, Ma nodded her gray head sagely. She went on to tell me some of her personal experiences with them. They is dead spirits. What come and ride you when you sleep? They take different shapes. Sometimes they is men, sometimes they women, and sometimes they're animals. And when you wake up, they is choking and smothering you. When they seize you as awake, they jump off and go away. In the morning, y'all worn out. There's all kinds of spirits. Of course, everybody can't see them. Only those who was born with a call. Now, I was born with a call, and I see them all the time. Lots of times. I was walking along the road, and there's a spirit right next to me, talking just like a person. One night, a spirit come to me in my sleep and tell me about where a pot of gold was buried. It take me out the house and down the road to a clump of oaks that sure enough was the rim of the pot. The next day, I take my husband to the place, and we use a long stick called a sticking rod. We dig down with it, and when it hit the pot, we dig right down in that spot. And we find a big pot, and have a heap of money and spoons and knives in it. All of this make me rich for a long time, and I buy a lot of things. I have some of the money in the knives and spoons, right someplace in this house. Unless a spirit show you a pot of gold, you can't dig it up. One time, my brother came to visit me, and he see a big round thing like a rim of a pot in the ground. He get to striking the rod and start digging. The wind start to howl, and all sorts of strange noises begin. The rod just go down in the ground, and deep pots sinking deeper and deeper. My brother gets scared and stop digging. You just have to give up trying to get that pot. Ma seems by now to have overcome her reluctance to talk of her methods of curing people, and she went into detail to tell me just how she compounded certain remedies. I need a piece of homespun, a pot of fire, and some holy oil, she said. I anoint the head with the oil and wrap the head, and then I rub the head and say the words, will work, the cure. Then I unwrap the homespun and throw it in the fire. I hit it nine licks and punch it nine times. Then they fit to just go away. Dragon's blood and incense is good, too, to use in cures. Conjures, Ma told me, were made of ground-up snakes and lizards. If the enemy desired to put a spell on or to cripple the victim, he put this powder in his shoes, hat, or other article of apparel. However, if the intention was to kill, the poison was put in whiskey or coffee and fed to the victims. Conjures could be turned back on the enemy who designed them if the intended victim manufactured a hellfire gun. To make this, it is necessary to have some old newspaper, some fire, a tub of old rags, gunpowder, sulfur, and an old turpentine bottle. Ma said she had made many of these guns and that one time she had caught three enemies instead of one. Of course, most people would be ignorant of how to make such a gun and would have to consult a root doctor who had knowledge of such things. Many years back, there was a woman who lived right next door to me. She always make out like she was my friend and talk nice to my face, but she was really my enemy. She was jealous of what I had, and she was plotting how to do me evil. And one morning, I go over to her house, and she's sitting down eating her breakfast. She say, sit down and have some coffee with me. I had a coffee, and I stay and talk. After a time, I come back home, and all of a sudden, I feel sick. My head was dizzy, and I have to sit down on a chair. Right away, I know that woman had conjured me. There was a charm in that coffee. I goes right out in the yard, and I gets where I need to make a hellfire gun. I have to work fast, for that conjure was a powerful strong, and I was feeling worse all the time. But in just a little time, I have made the gun, and I shoot it off. Instead of catching one enemy, I catch three. That woman have t- t- got two men to help her conjure me, and when I shoot off the gun, they get them all. First thing you know, I hear how first one of them was sick, then get worse and worse, and after a time, they all die. A cure for a conjured person was also described by the root worker. This consisted of rattlesnake foot, a new cup, a quarter pint of gin, and some sulfur. The root is first washed in the new cup and the gin and sulfur added. The mixture is stirred nine times one way, then nine times in the opposite direction, then punched nine times. It is now ready for consumption. Ma insisted that this remedy had never failed to cure, even when the victim had almost wasted away. The ingredients for another concoction were dragon's blood, sugar, sulfur, and spice. All of this, when well-blended, made an effective charm for warding off evil and assuring good luck. The powder should be sprinkled in the four corners of a room, going diagonally from one corner to the other, thus forming a cross. This powder is used for matters of the heart, for business, for luck and games. In short, for any emergency. To make a love charm, the women put the powder in cologne and put it on themselves. They sure to catch a man this way, the old woman explained. Ma rummaged around on the shelves of the cupboard of the cabinet and brought forth several samples of her magic art. She displayed a yellow, waxy substance, which she said was dragon's blood and many different powders. A brown paper package contained a charm, which she said had compounded for a client. The queer-looking purple and orange papers in the glass jars on the table were magic charms which were used for a variety of purposes. As I prepared to depart... Ma urged me to return and get some of her magic powders for protection against evil influences. Shaking her gray head upon which there were now perched incongruously a saucy navy blue and red skating cap, she told me warningly You never can tell who is a witch and who is working against you. Folks can do you lots of harm, and you have to be careful that nobody don't put a spell on you. The end. All you need is a little juju. I hope you all enjoyed that story as much as I enjoyed reading it. You know, I love reading y'all, I love reading you stories. Um, yeah, just to give us a, a real account of a, a real conjure woman in this book, Far More Terrible for Women, who recounted this at 103 years old. Um, I also like that, you know, we get a little bit of we get a little, we got little spells. I know the girl loves spells. We got a little, you know, workings in there too. Um, but yes, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to reach out to me at ITSJJBAE on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the things. Um, you can also reach out to me on my website, www.ITSJJBAE.com. Um, please become a patron if you are interested. Patreon.com slash where we just talk about a whole bunch of different things. We're building community on there and where you can help donate and share some love. To the show Of course you can also me on the cash app PayPal for donations It's Juju Bay um, Or uh, jujubay at gmail.com On PayPal And that is pretty much it So I hope you all enjoyed this episode I appreciate you, I love you And remember All you need is a little juju Let nobody put no spells on y'all Later Stopped, manifested everything, gives me props I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top My spirit's surrounded so I'll never drop, drop.